Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. I want to start today off by saying, have you ever played the quiet game? I used to hate the quiet game when I was a kid. You know why? Because I didn't like being quiet. Like, I, I, I never liked being quiet. And in, in all of antiquity, okay, our parents and our teachers, what they would do is they would, they came up with a way to make us quiet, and they called it a game. Okay, so there's not a, this is not a game. And so what they were doing is reverse psychology. They were duping us as kids, right? Because they were taking advantage of my competitive nature. And so what they were like, oh, yeah, I can be the most quiet, all right? And so I hated the quiet game. But honestly, this is the way the enemy wants us to be with our faith. You've heard it said, uh, if, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, well, if Satan can't make you, can't prevent your salvation, he will make you silent. And so this is the way the enemy wants to be in our lives. And, and um, God wanted me to tell you today, quit playing the quiet game with your faith. Quit playing the quiet game with your faith. We're in a series right now called Things Jesus Never Said. If you weren't here last weekend, uh, you need to pick that up on our, online, our podcast, because... Uh, Pastor Sarah did an incredible job talking about how Jesus never said that, that our only goal was to make heaven. That really, if anything, our goal was to bring heaven to earth. And we, and we do that because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so um, it was a powerful message. And this week, we're continuing that series, Things Jesus Never Said. Things Jesus Never Said. He never said your faith should be private. Jesus never said your faith should be private. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, God wants you to go public with your faith. In fact, the very first thing Jesus says to do is when you accept Christ into your heart, the very next thing you're to do is to go public in water baptism. I'm excited uh, because next weekend, how many of you know what next weekend is at Creekwood? Okay, about four of you. Okay, so here it is. Next weekend is our water baptism and family night. Okay, so it's on June 2nd, on Sunday, June 2nd, at 6 p.m., we take over Hawaiian Falls, and so uh, we do our, our baptism in the wave pool. It is incredible. It's just a, a great time, um, and right now, I'm excited to say we have nearly 40 people that have already registered to be baptized, which is really cool. Um, and so um, my prayer today, I want to talk about baptism. I'm going to talk about the power of baptism I want to talk about uh, the reason for baptism. And my prayer today, and if you're listening to me right now, my prayer is that if you have accepted Christ into your heart, that you would make your next spiritual step be to go public in baptism. That's what we're talking about today, the power of baptism. But, you know, baptism is a touchy subject because there's so many people from so many different backgrounds. So how many of you grew up in a Catholic background? Raise your hand. I want you to look around real quick. This can be a touchy subject because of different backgrounds. Okay, a lot of people. How many of you grew up Baptist? Raise your hand. A lot of people. Okay. Uh, how many of you grew up Presbyterian? Okay, we got a few. 
What about uh, Church of Christ? Okay, and we can keep going. What about more of a Pentecostal? Raise both hands. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it never gets old. It just never gets old. It's stupid. It's stupid, but it never gets old. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, this is a touchy subject because we have all these different backgrounds of, about how we would get baptized, how we grew up getting baptized, right? And so it's touchy. But this subject was never meant to be touchy. It was never meant to be touchy. So what I'm not going to do is give you my opinion up here today. I want to look at scripture. I want to talk about what Jesus says about baptism and kind of set up baptism. We have to say this. We have to understand this. Baptism is an external action from an internal decision. And so let me give you an example uh, of an action. I went to Colleen High School, class of 94. Y'all don't know anything about that. All right. I am some of you. Anyone class of 94 in here? Okay, okay, so we're 43. This is awesome. Okay, so we're the same age. Um, so at the end of the day, I went to Colleen High School. And I, I loved Colleen High School, but you have to understand Colleen High School was rough. You know why? Because Colleen High School was right next to Fort Hood. Fort Hood, I mean, gangsta, I mean, crazy, right? And it was rough, rough city. And I grew up there and went to, went to Colleen. And, and I hated when I moved from Cincinnati, Ohio to Colleen, Texas, I found out that our mascot at Colleen High School is going to be the kangaroos. And I was like, <laughs> y'all, I've never been more embarrassed about a mascot. I'm like, there is nothing intimidating about the kangaroo hopping in your building. I mean, it's like, and so we were the Colleen kangaroos. But one of the things that we did really well as students is we got into a lot of fights. And uh, there was a lot of arguments, a lot of fist fights that happened in the hallways. And so um, I love the female, the girl fights. They were the best. They would pull hair, slap each other. And I was like, ooh. And, and, but they would fight. They would, they would really go after it. The problem is so many times when people would start fighting, 90% of the time, they would start fighting. And someone would say, you better get off me, bro. And the next person would say, you better get off me, bro. And then they, they would just go back, you better get off me. You better get off me. And someone would yell out. Quit talking about it and be about it, right? Someone would yell that out. And then eventually a teacher would break it up and they would never fight. And we're like, man, that's the whole reason I come to school is to watch a fight. Like this did not happen. This is exactly what happens in our faith though. So many of us are silent in our faith. We're all talk and no action. So I wanna talk about, I wanna talk about action. How can you claim to be a follower of Christ if you're not willing to do the very first thing that Jesus asked us to do when we accept Christ into our heart, and that is to go public. It's a public action of getting water baptized. And so I want to talk about water baptism today. I want to talk about why we get baptized. And I'm going to give us three actions. So if you're taking notes, turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The first is, write this down, it's a, it's, a, it's a public act of obedience. It's a public act of obedience. So we've rec- we have recorded documentation. This is that Matthew 28 I was just telling you about. This is what's known as the Great Commission. This is the, the last words that Jesus gives to his followers, his disciples, as he is about to ascend into heaven. How many of you know if the Savior of the world is giving us his last words, maybe we should pay attention. So he's communicating some last words to us. And so I wanna read this scripture, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, then Jesus came to them 
and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to note something before we go any further, because I want us all get on the same page here. Jesus just said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? To, Je- to him, to Jesus. All authority on heaven and earth. So can we agree before we go any further that baptism, the authority for baptism comes from Jesus? Can we agree with that? Show of hands, I actually wanna see you. Okay, we all agree that the authority comes from Jesus. And, and so the authority for our baptism does not come from my parents, your parents, Creekwood Church, the church you grew up in, my great-grandparents. My, it does not come. The authority for baptism comes from Jesus Christ. And so I want to make, make sure we're all on the same page about that. And I think Mary, Jesus' mom, understood a little bit about his authority. I mean, she watched him grow up. And I, you, know, you know the first miracle of Jesus, right, was at the wedding, right? Many of you know the very first public miracle Jesus ever did was at a wedding because they ran out of food, they ran out of wine, and he turned water into wine. But I love what Mary says because the servants, you know they're freaking out. And Mary says in John 2, 5, she says, his mother said to the servants, you do whatever he tells you. You do whatever Jesus tells you. I think she knew a little bit of something about his authority because even though that was his first miracle, I guarantee you he had some private miracles. So I don't know, maybe when he was 10 years old, they were all swimming in the river, all the friends of Jesus, they're all hanging out. Jesus pops up out of the water and starts running on the water. I don't know, maybe it didn't happen. But I just imagine she saw some things that you and I don't know about. So I think she knew something about his authority. And so she says, trust me, do whatever he tells you. If he says, take these things over to the river, you do whatever he tells you. When it comes to baptism, I'm telling you, do whatever Jesus tells you. Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. Y'all think Nike came up with just do it? I think Mary's like, just do it, man. I'm just telling you, just do it. Just do what he said. Uh, So Mary came up with that. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, I go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And here's where I told you it's a public act of obedience. Here's where the obedience comes in. Baptism always happens in Scripture after the salvation experience. There are 27 references in the book of Acts of when people have accepted Christ and gotten baptized, and every single one of them, every single 27 one of them, they all happened after they got saved. And so I tell you that because I want to share a little bit about my story. Um, I got baptized. I've been baptized twice. I was baptized as a young child. Um, I grew up in the church, knew about God. My, my dad was a worship pastor, believe it or not. Couldn't sing, just like me. Okay, but he's a worship pastor. And, uh, and literally, I grew up in the church, loved God, and knew about God, went to services every weekend, and the whole nine yards. But I knew a lot of head knowledge about who he was. But it wasn't until, and so let me say this, my brother was older, and so it was probably time for my brother to get baptized. And so they decided to do a, uh, a double dip. 
Okay, that was a bad joke. Okay, dip. Okay, anyway, so they, both of us got into the salvation, the baptism waters, and we got baptized together. I really, in hindsight, wasn't quite ready. And so it wasn't until my later years in, uh, as a teenager that I truly accepted Christ for myself, understood the grace and the mercy and the power of God. And, and it wasn't until I was a pastor here at Creekwood that um, I, I, got, I decided I was reading this, these scripture references on baptism. And I'm like, I have not followed the biblical model of baptism, which is once I accept Christ for myself. Not for my grandparents, not for my mom and dad, for myself. Then I go public with my faith in baptism. And so um, I got baptized just a few years ago as a pastor here at Creekwood. You know what I was worried about? I was worried about what my parents would say. I was worried about what uh, our staff would say. I was worried about what y'all would say. And you know, I called my mom and dad up and I said, Mom, I, I feel like I need to get rebaptize. And I was so grateful because my mom and dad said, Brad, all we ever wanted in your life was for you to love God. And so in a lot of ways, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened and why this is important. If you, the reason that we don't baptize um, little babies here at Creekwood, we dedicate them because all that happens is when I got baptized as a young one, I got wet and my parents really enjoyed it, okay? But I don't remember a thing about it. And so it really wasn't for me. It was really what it was is what we do. We don't baptize babies here at Creekwood. We dedicate them. Because what we're saying as a dedication is we're saying, God, as parents, we're saying, God, I want this child to be set apart for your purposes. And I want them to come to know you sometime in their life. Like I want them to have this salvation in their life for themselves. And so if that's you, if you were sprinkled as a child, and I know this can be touchy, or maybe you were sprinkled as a baby or, or baptized as a child like me, and you haven't followed the biblical model of baptism as once you accept Christ for yourself, if that's you, uh, and you have to have that conversation with your parents, all I want you to understand is you are just fulfilling all that they ever wanted in your life. And so I want you to understand that. I think it's important that we, that we get that. Uh, I think a lot of people are on the fence uh, because this can be so emotionally charged. But I was thinking about this in this message as I was preparing for this. As much as I love my mom and dad, as much as I love y'all, as much as I love the heritage that I grew up in, more than I want to follow those things, I want to follow Jesus. And I want to follow what he says in scripture because he's the ruler of my life. And so I think it's so important that we, that we follow Jesus. So it's a public act of obedience. The second thing, take this, write this down. Baptism is a public act of identification. It's a public act of identification. He says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So when we baptize people at Hawaiian Falls, um, we'll baptize them next week in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the reason is, is that we are identifying them with Jesus. So we physically say that when we baptize people. Um, when Elise and I were married um, 21 years ago, guys, okay, 21 years ago, on December 27th, uh, man, it was a big deal. And uh, when we got married, I don't know how it would go in your household, 
but it would not go well if I had said this, girl, I love you, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and like, this is, this is going to be awesome, but can we like just keep this between me and you? Can we like keep it top secret? Like no wedding, like no, let's not even wear rings. Let's just keep this secret. Like, would that go well in your house? No. And it wouldn't go well with Elise Levins, Elise Rochelle Levins. Like it would not go well with her. It would not go well with her. She would not be real happy about that, right? Because, but here, here's what I, I love her so much that, that I, I want to wear my wedding ring every single day. Like, because I want everyone to know that I am taken. Like, y'all need to quit looking at me like you're looking at me, okay? Like, like I'm not available, all right? Like, this, is, this, this thing is not available, okay? I'm taken, and y'all can't, y'all can't do this, okay? And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, here's the thing. If I does this wedding ring symbolize, it symbolizes that I am identified with Elise, but if I were to take this wedding ring off, am I still married? Yeah, because this doesn't make me married. It is a public symbol that I am identifying that I am married to this one woman, Elise Levins, right? And so that's, it's a public outward identification. It's the same with salvation, Your baptism does not save you. Baptism is an external public act of identification with our Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's not your salvation experience. And so when you were sprinkled as a child, so often what they would do in certain beliefs and certain religions is, I, no matter what, if something were to happen to me as a parent, I want to sprinkle my child because I want them to make it. I want them to get through. You know what I'm saying? I want them to somehow get to heaven. This is why they sprinkle. They're trying to figure out a way to get them to heaven. That was never your salvation experience. Salvation experience is internal. And so it's so important that we, that we understand this. When people say this to me, do I have to get baptized in order to be saved? And sometimes you think that's so basic. There are so many people that don't understand that. And the answer is no. The reason you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved, and this is the one example, y'all remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he was being crucified. There were two thieves, right? One on the left and one on the right. And they were on the cross. One of them cursed Jesus. And the other one, listen to this. This is verse 40, Luke 23, verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One of, the, one of the thieves leans over to Jesus, dying on a cross, and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Can you imagine if Jesus, I mean, they were a little hung up. Okay, I don't, that's a bad joke. But they, they were a little, they, they could not get onto the baptism. Why? Can you imagine if Jesus had said, man, if we could just make it to Hawaiian Falls, seven more days, hang on. Like, like, like what if he had said that? No, they, they, they didn't have the time to get baptized. And I love what he says in verse 43. Jesus answered him and he says, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is a man that never got baptized, but Jesus tells him, Hey, you spent your whole life doing things that were away from me. But in your final hour, you came to me. You accepted me into your heart. You will spend eternity in heaven. 
So I wanted, to, I wanted you to know that because it's not your baptism. It, baptism isn't your salvation, but I love what Matthew 3, 13 through 15 said. It says this, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. I think it's amazing that Jesus ended up getting baptized. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. So some of you today, I'm telling you, you don't have to have baptism to get saved. But just as Jesus said, it should be done. You need to get baptized. By the way, did Jesus need to get baptized in order to be saved? No, he's a son of God. Like he, he came from heaven. Can you imagine John the Baptist? I used to think John the Baptist was Baptist. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, anyway, it's not. Okay, so anyway, but John the Catholic, John the Baptist. No, I, I didn't know. I, I just thought he was John the Baptist, so he must have been Baptist, okay? But at the end of the day, can you imagine John baptizing Jesus? Jesus, I baptize you in the name of you, you, and you. Like, how weird was that? Like, he did not have to get baptized, but he is our example. And some of you, you need to understand, I believe he did that because he wanted to set the example that people were gonna follow me in baptism. I think so many of us are fans of Christ and we're not followers of Jesus. He's either your example or he is not. I want Jesus to be my example. And I love these super powerful words that Mark 8.38 says about being identified with Jesus. I want you to listen to these words. These are so powerful. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his Father's glory with the holy angels. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not ashamed of you, so don't be ashamed of me. Go public in identification. You ever seen any, um, like a couple that's like newly in love? You know, it's like, I'm in love and I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Y'all know that. And they're walking around just holding hands, just PDA all over the place. Like it's inappropriate. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, what are they doing? Get a room, you know, whatever. You know, y'all know that. And, and it's just gross. And, and, and at the end of the day, they don't care who knows it. Because they aren't ashamed. And that's the way we are to be with our relationship with Christ. That's the way we are to be with our faith. We, we don't stay private with our faith. We go public with our faith. But baptism is a public act of obedience. And it's a public act of identification. And the third thing, and I, I really think this is the most important thing. Baptism is a public act of resurrection. It's a public act of resurrection. So when we baptize people at Creekwood, um, we bring them down into the water fully submerged. We hold them down for three days, and then we... No, we don't. What? On the third day? Okay, like, I, I don't understand you guys. So we, we, hold, we bring them down. We, okay, don't be scared. We don't. It's only like three minutes. And so what we do is we bring them back. It's not. It's not. It, we just, it's very quick, okay, we fully submerge them, and then we bring them back up out of the water. And the reason is, is because baptism is, the word, English word baptism comes from a Greek word, and it's baptizo, baptizo. And it's, it was transliterated into the English version to baptism. Baptism and baptizo literally, mean, literally means to wash 
to dunk, to immerse, or to submerge, like to fully go under. And so that's why at Creekwood, we fully submerge, all right? We, we don't sprinkle, we fully submerge. And uh, you'll see um, baptizo in ancient literature uh, when battleships, like were in war, when they would be sunk in war, they would be baptizoed in the water. They would, they would be fully submerged into the water. And I, I saw this as a famous one. Um, in 200 B.C., uh, there was a recipe for pickles, for making pickles. And this is a famous use of the word baptizo, that the, the vegetables would be baptizoed in the vinegar. And they would fully go under. In the 21st century at the Levin's house, uh, we, we baptizo the Oreo cookies in the milk. We, we, it's fully, because you don't, you, don't, you don't sprinkle that. You, you fully submerge that. Honestly, there's only two ways. There's only two ways in our house that you can eat Oreo cookies. You either take them apart and you eat the middle. You know what I'm talking about? How many, does, how many of you do that? Yeah, that's one way. And the other way is you baptizo them, right? You, you fully submerge them into, into milk. Anyone do that? Okay, so you understand how we baptize here. We fully baptizo. The, the, we fully baptizo. And so here's what I want you to understand. Baptism symbolizes that we share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is so important that you understand this. Um, I, one of the most powerful scriptures, since I have read this so many times, and it just seems almost like over your head spiritual. But I want you to read how powerful this is. This is Romans 6, 3 through 5. It says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism, listen to me right here. Baptism symbolizes the death of your old man. Baptism symbolizes that, that those iniquities, those sins, those addictions, that they are buried just like Christ was buried, right, like in his death and burial. And so when we baptize, it is a public symbol of this burial of your old man. And I don't know about you, but I asked a lot of people to give me some stories about their faith and how they accepted Christ and their baptism experience. And if I could read all these stories, I would read them all and they would, they would bring tears to your, to your eyes because of the power of our stories. There are so many people in Mansfield, Texas that have no idea that Jesus can completely redeem, can completely restore everything in your life. And when you get baptized in baptismal waters, it is a symbol that all of that stays there. Do you know in the old days when they would baptize, they would actually put on this garment. And this garment was all tattered and it was stained and nasty. And then when they would, when they would baptize them, they would go in with the garment. And then when you come out of the, the baptism waters, it symbolizes this resurrection. That we are resurrected with Christ. That we now have a new creation. We are a new man, and it's like the old man stays there, and symbolically, we are a new person in Christ, and so our attitude changes. Like, the, the way we love our spouses change. Like, the, the, the addictions are gone. They stayed there, and so what they would do in the old days 
is they would take that garment and they would go down. And, they, and when they came back up, they would take the garment off and they would watch it as it went down the river. And they completely watched it after their baptism until it was completely gone. It completely disappeared. It was such a symbolic moment that they could witness and see. And this is why many of you in this place, you have been baptized publicly. And so it's hard maybe to listen to a message like this because you know what it means to be baptized. But this is also why you need to be here next week on June 2nd at Hawaiian Falls. Because I'm gonna give you an example. Every time I go to a wedding, every single time I go to a wedding, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded, I, I'm holding my wife's hands and I'm listening to the, as these people are getting married, I'm listening to their vows and I hold my wife's hands just a little bit tighter because I'm, I'm renewing my vows internally every single time I go to a wedding. Some of you who you have already been baptized, you need to be there next week, not just to celebrate, not just to say, hey, I'm a family member and we need to go and we're gonna hang with you and we wanna witness this. It's not just for that, it's for you to be reminded of what Jesus did for you when you went into the baptism waters. Because I don't know about you, but that thing that went down in the water for me sometimes creep back, creeps back up and sometimes it affects me again. And I need to be in that moment where I say, no, 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 this was baptized. This is now gone. That's the old Brad. That's the old man. And when I witnessed someone else getting baptized, last year, 150 people we watched get baptized and their old man is gone. And they have a new creation. And I'm like, I need to see that every year. I want to see 150 of those. Because I want to be reminded of what God did to me in my life. It's a public symbol of resurrection. I'm identifying. I'm being obedient in what Jesus has always wanted. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So powerful. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how wicked that sin was. There are some people in this place that you are too ashamed to tell what your sin is. You're too ashamed to tell what you've done. I don't care what you've participated in, what you've touched that you shouldn't have touched, what you, what you, what you lusted after that you should. I don't know what it was. But I'm telling you, the Bible says your sin is as of crimson, but he washes us White as snow. Y'all want to see sin? You look in the back seat of my car after a week long vacation with my two boys. It's nasty. It's they they stink, and it's it's as if there was a skunk the whole way. I'm like, what? I thought the skunk was only in Broken Bow. No, no, no. It's still in Mansfield. Like, it's not outside. It's inside. And the sin is in the back. And so at the end of the day, there's ketchup. There's, like, like it's mustard. There's ketchup. I'm, it's, you would think it's obvious. Like, if you use your ketchup, you put it back in the bag so that you don't put it on the, the seat so that people, other people step on it. That's where the crimson comes in. You know what I mean? Like, it's a sin. And so at the end of the day, it's nasty. And there's half, there's Cokes that are everywhere. There's like, there's underwear. Like, I'm just telling you what I find. 
It's sinful back in the back seat of our cars. And, and it's crazy because at the end of the day, all I want to do when I get home from a week-long road trip with my boys is I want to kick them out of the car <laughs> so the sin goes in my house now, okay? And then, and then, and then I want to go, like, to, go to a car wash, and I want to completely detail my car. And you know, um, I, I'm okay at washing my car, but I have a friend. His name is Oscar Gomez, and he's actually over facilities here at Creekwood. And one time he told me, he said, hey, let's wash your car. And I'm like, who, who asked to wash someone else's car? Like, that's just weird. He said, let's wash your car. I said, okay. And uh, so he comes over to my house and he brings this bag. And I said, what's the bag for? He goes, oh, that's my tools. I said, you bring, like, I was thinking like two of us would have two washcloths and we're gonna be good. Like, no, no, no. He brings a bag with toothbrushes. We proceed to spend four hours detailing my car with toothbrushes. I've never seen anything like it. My car looked better than it did when I bought it. It was crazy. And I'm, I'm telling you, we got into the nooks and crannies of that car that I had never, I would have never thought we could get the ketchup out, Braden. And, but we did, we got it out. And I'm telling you, some of you, you think that sin is impenetrable. You think that thing, no, you don't understand, Brad. It's what I, it's what, it's already done. The divorce is over. Like it's done. Like it can't, I can't undo what I just said. You know what I said to her last week? You know what I said to my boss last week? You know how I exploded last week? And you think it can't be penetrated. I'm telling you what scripture says, that your sin is as of crimson, but he washes us white as snow. Like he details, he's got this spiritual toothbrush. I don't know how he gets in it, but he does it in our lives. And some of you, you need to understand, you came in here thinking, now I'm gonna listen to a message on baptism. I believe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to some of you. You know you need to go public with getting baptized. And I wanted you to hear just a few quick stories of the power of baptism. Because sometimes you can hear in other people's lives and you can see in other people's lives your own stories. One of my good friends, my buddy, my, my life group leader, I want you to meet Jason Meadows. I look really mad, Jason. I look really mad right there. And I don't know why we got that picture. But at the end of the day, this is Jason Meadows. This is what he says. He said, I did not grow up anywhere near God. As an adult, I surrounded myself with trying to find joy in material things, possessions, activities, false idols. None of it satisfied. I began to think about finding a church. And as only God can orchestrate, my son Ransom told me he wanted to learn about God at the same time. In spring of 2013, I began attending Creekwood. I was so naive. I used to think that the worship songs were saying just to give people time to show up and find a seat before the real church began. I love that. I attended alone and sat in the back and listened to Pastor Stephen every weekend. I wanted so badly to accept Christ, but I thought I didn't feel worthy and things needed to get in order first. Once I stopped sinning, then I can accept Jesus. I slowly began to realize that all the things I was trying to take care of were actually the reasons I needed to accept Jesus. My sin was no longer a barrier, but the reason for salvation. 
I accepted Christ on Easter Sunday, April 20th, 2014, and was baptized on June 8th, 2014. And after going public with my faith, my entire life has changed. I now serve as a greeter at Creekwood. I attend a life group and lead a fitness life group at 24-Hour Fitness. This is a man that just five year, four or five years ago did not have anything to do with God, didn't know anything about God. And then he slowly started to come in, and he would sit in the back row. And if I had read the whole story, he would have understood that weeks after weeks after weeks, he would slowly move up. He would slowly move up to the point where he was on the first row here at Creekwood worshiping God. And he was like, no way. He, he said, I, I would have never expected me to actually be on the front row worshiping. And now he's a life group leader at a God-awful time at 5.30 on Monday mornings. It's ridiculous, but it works. And I'm telling you, we have a dozen people, 15 people show up at 24-hour fitness in the morning. And he said this, he said, my life group flies in the face of the enemy. The gym is the last place he wants a group to worship God. Wow, are you kidding me? That's amazing. And I want you to meet a girl named Lisa Fowler. Lisa Fowler, she's amazing. See, I was not brought up to be a Christ follower. I was married at 18 and I had my oldest daughter, Allison, in 1991 and Taylor in 1994. I was married for 14 years and then things fell apart. There was infidelity, lies, huge mistakes. I was a 32-year-old single mom working three jobs to make ends meet. This left very little time to raise my girls in the way I should have raised them. Allison had to miss out on school activities because I needed her to take care of Taylor while I worked. On the weekends they were with their dad, I was out partying, seeking attention from all the wrong places and people. My oldest daughter didn't want anything to do with me and my youngest was depressed and now cutting herself. I attempted suicide by taking pills. I believe my family would be better off without me. But apparently God had a different plan for my life because it didn't work. I moved back to Texas in 2016, started attending Creekwood with my sister. I had to force myself to get out of bed and go to church. Two weeks after moving into my duplex, Grady Fowler asked me on a date. Grady and I instantly clicked. Y'all all know Grady because he parks you almost every week in the parking lot. Two weeks after moving to my duplex, Grady Fowler asked me on a date. Grady and I instantly clicked. We were both healing from some broken times in our lives. And I now know that God was with me all through my trials and has placed me with the man of my dreams, the love of my life. My life was turning around for good, but my relationship with my daughter, Allison, was still very strained. I decided to write her a letter. I'm getting emotional because whenever she told me about the story, she was, you know, could not even tell it. She was so emotional. I decided to write her a letter, this time owning my part in the divorce and admitting that I have always loved her, but I haven't loved her well. A week later, Allison wrote me back saying that's all she needed to hear. I haven't seen my daughter in seven years. And now she's coming to visit me next month. I accepted Christ as my savior at Creekwood and I, now I, and I knew baptism was my next step. I was baptized last year at Hawaiian Falls because I needed to let the world know that I had accepted Jesus. I want you to meet one other person. His name is Bob Gagnon. Don't say his name Bob Gagnon because he's French and he told me. It's Bob Gagnon. It's like a, it's like a soft enye or something. I don't know, what'd you call that? Bob Gagnon served in World War II in the Pacific Theater right before the Japanese surrendered to the U.S. 
What a cool thing on Memorial Day, we're talking about this. Catholic background, sprinkled as a baby, moved to Texas in 2017 and with, and with his family began attending Creekwood Church. Last year, Bob was 93 years old, was baptized. Cool thing about it is he was baptized with his grandson and his great granddaughter. We saw three generations get baptized at the same time last year at Creekwood. And I'm just saying, I wanted to tell you that story because you're not too old. Some of you think this is, I'm past my prime. I'm telling you, God has something for Bob Gagnon. And I'm just telling you, some of you needed to hear that. Some of you needed to feel that today. Some of you see yourselves in some of these people. I got six other stories I don't have time to read, but they're all the same. We all have the similar stories. What I want us to do is pray right now. I believe though, and I, I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you this before we pray, that some of you in all of eternity, God has June 2nd, 2019 is the day you were gonna go public with your faith in baptism. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for every person in this place. God, I, I feel your presence in this place and I'm asking God, I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but some people need to go public with their faith in baptism. Some people need to register before the, today is over. But there's people in this place that you've not accepted Christ. You haven't done the first thing and that's to accept Jesus in your heart. So if that's you, I, I wanna pray over you. That's all I wanna do. I wanna pray a simple prayer over your life. And if you say, Brad, that's me. Would you pray over me? That's you. Would you just simply raise your hand? Let me pray for you real quick. If that's you, you wanna accept Jesus into your life. You say, Brad, I need to thank you. I see you. Just pray this, this simple prayer in, 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 in privately in your, in your heart. Just say, God, I need a savior. I am in need of a savior. And I ask you, God, into my life and into my heart, God. From this day forward, I pray that you would lead my life, God. God, I pray that this would be just a cornerstone day in every person who has accepted you for their life and in their life, God. God, I pray for the rest of every one of us in this place. God, I pray a blessing over every family in this place, some of them that need to get baptized, God. They would have the boldness and the confidence to step up and to go public in their faith with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.